Hey, we're back with Boozy Bracketology. This is episode three of our comic book movie bracket challenge. This here is the third uh, quadrant in our bracket of 64. One of these movies is going to make it all the way to the final four. Which one will it be? Keep on listening. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody, you have joined us in our second round or the right side of the bracket for our comic book movie bracket challenge. Today, we're going to find out which of the, I guess, right side of the bracket move on to the second round. I don't think we have divisions yet. Did you come up with divisions, Mike? Was I supposed to? No, I just was hoping you're more creative than I. Oh, good God. (laughs) I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we're all back here for you. Um, myself, I'm Jeff. I'm going to be your moderator tonight. Um, just across the street, down the road, about a mile, we've got our well-known furry-faced friend, Chris. Hey, everybody. So, Jeff, I took a page out of your and Tony's book tonight. I decided to pop open my Buffalo Trace. And mm. I think I was wrong about it. It actually does sit pretty well. It's well, a- we knew you were wrong, but we're glad you're joining on, on the train. And for a $20 bottle, this actually sips really well. So cheers, everybody. It is fun to just drink and drink. Agreed. Yep. Heading down south, we've got uh, Tony back with us. How's it going, Tony? It's going great. Tony, drinking tonight? I am. Uh, I decided to uh, finally finish off that uh, bottle of McKellen that my brother-in-law so gracefully Hallelujah. Uh, <laughs> gifted to me. It's been, what, over a year? <laughs> not quite. No, not quite. It's got to be close. It's close, but I've been saving it. Today just felt like like the right day. It's a good day. It's a good day. Well, you enjoy that, sir. Uh, headed across the bay, we've got Jen. How's it going tonight, Jen? Hey, everyone. I'm being lame again. I'm drinking cherry Pepsi tonight. Tell them about your glass. Yeah, I was going to say, you have a fabulous glass, though. Oh, thank you. It, it, just for everybody listening, it, it says secretly a mermaid. So now we know. Love Not it. so secret. <laughs> Headed up north a uh, state or two, we've got Mike Mott with us. How's it going, Mike? Hey, doing good. Uh, you know, I was going to join the whiskey party tonight, uh, but we actually did a little bit of a sort of pseudo date night. Got some... Uh, not carry out, but from a nice restaurant they were delivering to the neighborhood. So we did a pre-order there and it included a, uh, it was basically dinner for two and it included a bottle of wine. So I'm already half a bottle of wine in. I figured maybe I should stick to beer. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah. But uh, tonight I have, uh, uh, get that open here. I have a uh, Belgian white from Yellowhammer Brewing. It's one of the uh, breweries that's over at the campus 805 area in Huntsville. I've mentioned a couple of times. This nice stretch of breweries. I, it's very good. It's light and refreshing, which I thought would do the trick very well tonight. Very nice. Very nice. It does sound good. I'm not going to lie. I might switch it up and go to beer later. It's a great summer drink. <laughs> Chris is already bailing on the Buffalo. <laughs> that just means it's going to be gone real quick. It, well, yeah, I don't drink slow. Yeah. All right. Headed over just a little bit farther east. We've got Steven. How's it going? Pretty good. Uh, For those of you wondering, the 
team in the South Carolina Baseball League that came in exactly in the 500 mark last year was the NC Dinos of Chang Wan. So if you're looking for the most interesting story and the only baseball you can get, the <laughs> NC Dinos of Chang Wong. Well, I know my new favorite team. I'll be riding that bandwagon. I'll, Mine is I'll the really... Rocket City Trash Pandas. Yeah, but they're not playing right now. That's true. No. Their they're, they're, they're first, their inaugural season got curtailed. When, mm. when does the Korean League start, Jeff, just out of curiosity? Um, I want to say they're starting now or this weekend or sometime soon. I'm tuning into Korean baseball. I, I don't care. I'm watching it. Yeah, I mean, the good thing is when you're up at like 1, 3, 5 o'clock in the morning, they're going to be live. Oh. So Yeah, there will be the first game will be 1 a.m. Eastern, May 5th. So, yeah, so tomorrow. NC Dino, so. There we go. Damn. Tomorrow at 1 a.m. Versus Samsung, the entire company. <laughs> <laughs> so this is Korean League Baseball then. Okay, I didn't know yeah. that was a thing. Oh, oh, it's a thing. I mean, I figured it was a thing, but I didn't realize that was they were actually active. They just did yeah. that good of a job, huh? <laughs> well, something like that. Yeah. We just take their best players, that's all. Yep. The American way. All right, well... <laughs> On that note, we are going to jump into our bracket, and we're going to jump right into our first matchup, which is going to be our one seed, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, versus Hellboy from 2004. Let's see where we're going to start tonight on our order. We'll go ahead and mix, the, mix things up by starting with Jen. Uh, why do you make me do the toughest ones first? This is a <laughs> 1 a versus one 16. 16. Should have been but a layup. These movies, but these movies are both, I don't know. <laughs> I enjoyed them both. Like Some might say there's a little bit of a misseating here, but. Uh, okay. So, start with Hellboy. I loved Hellboy. Like, Ron Perlman is my Hellboy. Albeit I haven't seen the new one, but whatever. He's still okay. my Hellboy. Um, I don't know. I just really enjoyed it. Now, I haven't seen it in a while. Whereas Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is relatively new. And it's animated. So, it's completely different everything from Hellboy. So, whereas Hellboy is dark, Spider-Man is colorful. You know, it's just that natural, you know, live action versus, you know, animation kind of thing. But Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, you've got the really awesome soundtrack. You've got the fantastic style of animation. You've got the story, which is not the traditional kind of Spider-Man story that you're accustomed to seeing necessarily, because you don't have the traditional white boy Spider-Man. You don't have, you know, it's like it's it's a switch up from the norm that you 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 know see these days. And I would watch Into the Spider-Verse over and over and over if I could, and and I have because I have children. So, <laughs> <laughs> um. As much as I love Hellboy, I really am going to have to go with Into the Spider-Verse because it just brought a whole new take on the Spider-Verse for me. 
All right, we've got one for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Up next, we've got Tony. Tony, what are your thoughts? I want to first start off by saying that I think this is the most criminally underrated 16th seed that we've seen in this bracket (laughs) and many brackets before this. Um, Hellboy 2004, as we are affectionately calling it on here, uh, or just Guillermo del Toro's masterpiece of a movie is, is just a phenomenal flick. Um, and this is probably the hardest matchup for me, uh, because like Jen said, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, it just, it does so many things right. Uh, and that we're not used to seeing on the big screen, you know, Miles Morales came in early 2000s, 2003, 2004-ish, and and really took Marvel by storm in the comic books. And I think we're seeing that again here with this movie, that people just fall in love with this character. You know, he's so similar yet dissimilar to Peter Parker in the fact that, yes, they both have spider powers and they both have uh, family issues, but, you know, Miles t- comes from a, a place of love with his parents and has it from his uncle, which is criminally ironic to Peter Parker, who loses his uncle instead. Um, and that kind of shimmies him into it. Uh, and the movie does a really good job at playing up that relationship that Peter Parker and Miles Morales ends up having later on in some of the, the series that I've read. Um, <clears throat> And, and because I want to save this because it's a first seed and I think I'll be able to dissect it a little bit more later on, uh, I'm going to move forward with Spider-Man um, as hard as that is to do. All right, that gives us two for Spider-Man. Up next, we've got Chris. Um, yeah, this one's tough. and I'm, It's not tough for me, um, but I want to make sure I give Hellboy its due. Uh, Hellboy is a phenomenal movie. It's beautifully, beautifully shot. It's so uniquely um, gothic and scary, but also at the same time, just downright beautiful. It's a beautiful film. Um, and then I, I kind of compare it, and I'm like, and I'm looking at, it, I'm like, well, it's not Del Toro's best film. It's not. Um, it might not be in his top three best films. Uh, Devil's Backbone, Pan's Labyrinth, Shape of Water, uh, even Kronos, which I haven't seen in a long time, but those other three I would put above Hellboy. So with that being said, Hellboy's still phenomenal, but Into the Spider-Verse, man, that was a game changer. From an animation standpoint, that broke every rule you can think of and still was insanely watchable. I'll also say this, and I can get some hate for this, and I don't care. It's the best iteration of Aunt May I've seen. It's such a unique take on Aunt May in a version that we've never really seen her play before. And it's the coolest iteration of Aunt May. And I love I love the iteration that we got in, uh, in Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. I think Marissa Tomei is phenomenal as Aunt May in... Uh, the MCU, but this iteration of Man- Ant Man, I think it's Lily Tomlin that plays her, that voices her. Um, it's insane. And then you've got this really, really fresh take on Spider Man. And you're right, it's what 2002, 2003 is when they launched him in the comics, and it took him this long just to get a movie. 
put him in the MCU already because this even then that's going to be a letdown because this movie is that damn good. It's it's in the Spider Verse. That movie's phenomenal. Alrighty then, we've got three for Into the Spider Verse. Steven, where's your vote going? Yeah, so I was a little confused by this bracket because I thought collectively we had all decided that Hellboy 2, The Golden Army, was the good Hellboy film. So I'm a little confused as to why the first one's on here because not only have we collectively decided that, but that is also true, just objectively speaking. Um, Chris said a lot. Guillermo del Toro, every film he makes, even like the bad ones, like what was it, Crimson Peak or whatever, that's not a good film, looks beautiful. He always makes the film look beautiful. He's a man that understands what a camera can do and not do as far as composition and lighting and everything like that. I will go and watch any of his films just because I know that visually they're going to be very stunning. Um, Let's see. Things I could say bad about Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I think they missed a joke by not having UK Spider-Man in there (laughs) and then casting Tom Holland to use his regular voice. Other than that, I can't think of anything wrong with it. It's clearly the better film here. Uh, Hellboy's worth the watch. It's not the best Hellboy film. It's not the best Del Toro film. I'm not sure why it's on the bracket, but I, it's, it's Spider-Man. Hellboy's not terrible, but it, it doesn't hold a candle. Can I point out this is the second game in a row that Jeff has made Mike go after Steven after I made uh, Nikki go after Steven in um, the Disney <laughs> well, well, uh, can 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 I point out? Steven stole my thing that I was going to say about why is this Hellboy and not Hellboy Two: The Golden Army? <laughs> that was going to be film. my main point. Um, yeah, so you know there was, as we all know, or maybe none of us know, since this is comic books and not basketball. But there's been one sixteen seed that's upset a number one seed in the entire history of the NCAA bracket tournament. Uh, It happened, what, two years ago, I think, and it was uh, the University of Maryland, uh, Baltimore County, defeating the number one overall seed, UVA. Uh, This is not going to be that, obviously, since we've already decided Spider-Man did this better versus moving on. But I will say that of this bracket, this is probably the strongest 16 seed uh, I would have expected Hellboy to be maybe more of, no, of a 14-15, but it's no end of the Spider-Verse. Into the Spider-Verse, there there were things, The anim- some of the animation in Into the Spider-Verse is a little too may-induce epilepsy for me. That's my personal um, taste, but that's like a little bit. Otherwise, it's such an imaginative movie. It's such an interesting way to bring in a lot of different incarnations of Spider-Man and explore all those different things. This is clearly into the Spider Verse, and we'll we'll get a lot more time to dissect it later, as Tony said. So, um, Hellboy, uh, as Steven said, though, definitely worth a watch. If you've never seen it, uh, Hellboy Two, even more so, in my opinion, as well. Um, and I have not seen the uh, more recent reboot. I'm told that I don't need to stay away from it. Ron, <laughs> it's, Pearl, it's hard to it's hard to top Ron Perlman. This was such an amazing role for him. It was like the role he was born to play. So, Hellboy definitely worth a watch. Spider Man, moving on. So with the new Hellboy, um, first David Harbour is actually really good as Hellboy. He's freaking funny. Oh, I love David Harbour. Don't get me it's wrong. It's a trash movie, and it sucks because the the guy that directed it's Neil Marshall. He did a horror movie called The Descent, which is insanely well done. One of the best horror movies to come out of the past twenty years. That movie is hot garbage. <laughs> 
Well, all right. After the votes are in, we have a first sweep of the night. Our one seed Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse is moving on. Up next, we've got our eight seed X-Men First Class versus our nine seed Deadpool. This should be a fun one. Tony, you're up first. So this is an interesting kind of matchup. Uh, I think, honestly, here you have Fox at some of its best um, and Fox at some of its worst in both of these movies. Um, You know, both of them kind of fall into certain pitfalls and both have kind of their own issues. Uh, But First Class, um, in my opinion, kind of takes a little bit worse of a hit um, just because you're working with already established characters in their own mythos. Uh, if, if we're following strictly by Fox's X-Men, um, it's kind of a jumbled mess that just doesn't make too much sense in their timeline. Um, and I, I think, you know, it, even as you go further into the movies, you kind of start to see that a little bit more to where Brian Singer was kind of flying by the seat of his pants with these films. Uh, and wasn't sure where they were going to land, in my opinion. And I and that's with somebody who hasn't seen Dark Phoenix. Um, I've stayed away from that after uh, the movie that was Apocalypse. We won't talk about that one either. Uh, but so with Deadpool, you know, it, it does a lot of things right. I think it was definitely hot off the heels of um, an R-rated Logan, uh, kind of testing the waters of what you can and cannot do in a more family-friendly, R-rated comic book film um, with a, a very household, more household name than somebody like Blade or anything like that, uh, which we'll get to later. Uh, so for me, I, I think just the quippiness alone of Deadpool, the the kind of the energy uh, Ryan Reynolds is able to bring to that character, uh, I think Deadpool just slightly edges out first class for me. All right, we've got a vote for Deadpool. Chris, what's um, your vote? Well, you know, I can't just give him my vote. I've got to talk this out. Please, let's hear it all. Um, so, X-Men First Class. Uh, Tony, and I, I, I may have misheard you. I'm sorry. Uh, Brian Singer didn't actually direct X-Men First Class. X-Men First Class was directed by Matthew Vaughn. Yeah, but he was a producer. He was a producer. producer in, in yeah. Game. He had, no, I don't think he had anything to do with the movie. That's just my opinion. I have no no insight on that whatsoever. Matthew Vaughn, one of the best directors working today. Um, another one of his movies is actually on the list, and I think we're going to talk about it later, and has one of the probably best six and a half, seven minutes of probably any film here. But with that being said, X-Men First Class kind of goes up there as one of my f- favorite Fox movies. Um, and then it, to me, it kind of falls apart towards the end. The whole stuff with Kevin Bacon's character, I don't even remember his name, um, just fell apart for me. And I think the biggest disservice to X-Men First Class in repeated viewings is not the movie itself. It's what they did with the characters in the subsequent movies. Because they built a really strong opening film with some really interesting characters. Even James McAvoy Xavier, who I'm, I'm not a fan of, at least in this movie, was interesting. And the rest of the movies just let those characters down. I'm sorry. I don't have another way to say it. They did. Um, Deadpool, the story alone of how Deadpool got made, where somehow that that footage just happened to leak. It just 
yeah, Ryan Reynolds and Tim Miller had nothing to do with that footage leaking. Um, but they gave a a director who had like very little to his very little to his credit, right? Tim Miller, no one heard of the guy. Um, he had directed some video game stuff and some commercials and things like that. But he did that that one scene, the the falling off the bridge scene for Deadpool, and that right there was enough for me to to beat X Men First Class. That scene in and of itself is phenomenal. With that being said, I can't take anything away from X Men First Class. I wish I had either let Matt Vaughn keep going with it or just stop making those movies because it's enough for me to say that Deadpool is a better film overall. But if there weren't the sequels, it'd be a lot closer for me. It's Deadpool. All right, so we're going with the Deadpool over the director of Fantastic Four. Wild. All right. Steven, what are your thoughts here? By the time X-Men First Class had come out, I was so done with the X-Men movies. For a while, it was really good when I watched X-Men First Class. It felt comfortable. It felt like a place I belonged. It felt like it started to care about me, and perhaps maybe it had changed. And then the third act came in, and it no longer became about Magneto, Nazi Hunter. It became about Kevin Bacon in the world's most ridiculous helmet, doing something with the Cuban Missile Crisis that so defied logic, physics, and basic storytelling that once again I felt my lips swell, my eyes blacken, and I was once again just had to drag out of the facility and put for my own safety in a place where the X-Men films could no longer get back to me. And then Deadpool came out and Deadpool went back into the Marvel universe with the baseball bat that I always should have brought myself and just beat the living tar out of those movies that had hurt me so many times. And it gave me faith to go back in to Fox Now, of course, Fox once again betrayed me and once again I found myself in the mental institution. But Deadpool gave me a small reprieve. So I'm going to go with Deadpool here. And damn to the depths, anyone who votes differently. All right. Well, with three votes, we know this one's moving on. Uh, Mike, how how about a vote? Um, Well... (laughs) (laughs) How do you follow that up? He just say so Deadpool X-Men, move X-Men on. X-Men First Class. It does, it does definitely fall apart toward the end. But it is, I would say, it's fair to judge it on that. It is unfair to judge it, as others have, I, and I understand why, believe me, on the remainder of the movies. Because the, what happened with the remainder of the movies was Jennifer Lawrence suddenly became really, really popular. <laughs> and... So they decided, hey, Mystique is way more of an important character than she ever should have been. And all that and all that happened. And we'll probably delve into that much later on in the worst of uh, comic book movies. Uh, they will make an appearance. Side of things later. Uh, all that being said, X-Men First Class, all of those of the reboot slash I don't know what you would call it after you bring in Days of Future Past and you link everything up and everything like that. I don't know what you call it. Doesn't matter. Is probably the best. It's certainly, it does a really good job. It has a lot of really cool moments. You know, uh, Michael Fassbender as Magneto is absolutely phenomenal. Star making turn for him. 
you know, and when, when he goes down to Argentina and, he, and he's in the, like, that's a masterpiece of tension when he's in the bar and they all like, there's a couple really good scenes. Uh, one of the best cameos ever when Hugh Jackman shows up and he tells him to go fuck off. Uh, when they show up, I, you couldn't even hear it. When I watched that in the theaters, you missed basically the rest of that montage because everybody was laughing so hard. Uh, all that being said, you know, I, I wanted to give it its due a little bit. It's not a, it's not a bad movie. Uh, it's tainted a little, it is tainted a little bit by what came later, but it's not a bad movie. Uh, even though it does as Steven, uh, dissected fall apart in the third act. Deadpool was just fantastically fresh and fun. And we'll have, you know, again, we'll have a lot more time to talk about it later. Cause it's definitely moving on. It, it is, it, it opened up the possibility to our, popular R-rated comic book movies uh, that I think that had probably been rejected uh, given that I'm not <laughs> the, the, the last one before it might have been Blade um, it had been a while and then Deadpool just comes in and says hey you know what you can make a billion dollar movie that's rated R uh, and so it's a total total game changer it's a ton of fun Deadpool alright Deadpool with its fourth vote Jen what do you say not that my vote even matters at this point, but, um, yeah, I mean, everybody else has pretty much said it. I did love X-Men First Class. Um, unlike Chris, I actually, I mean, I really love McAvoy, and I actually enjoyed his iteration of Xavier, because um, it was hilarious. But, I mean... It, it, it's Deadpool all the way, just for so many reasons, and they've all already been said. And my vote is pointless, but you know, Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, with our second sleep of the night, we've got Deadpool just inching out a upset with the nine seed over the eight seed of X Men First Class. Moving on to our next matchup. Was that Alexa? Alexa, stop. What the shit? (laughs) (laughs) All righty, then. Moving on to our next matchup, we've got Guardians of the Galaxy at the 5 seed versus the 12 seed of Watchmen. Up first, let's hear what Chris has to say. I don't like Watchmen. I didn't like the movie. I know. So the book was, was transformative and all that the way the book was done into a movie didn't work from a film standpoint for me. There was no clear three act structure. Uh, it was really, really long. Um, and if they wanted to save that movie, they would have kept the original ending and not made it like a nuclear bomb as opposed to a giant freaking squid. Cause that might've entertained me a lot more. On the other hand, guardians of the galaxy. I said it last time is I go back and forth. And if it's a, the best Marvel movie or the second best Marvel movie of all time, it's a punk rock Star Wars. It's Guardians, man. All right. We've got our first vote for Guardians. Steve, what do you have to say? So I was a big fan of the Watchmen comic book before the movie came out. Uh, and I was a pretty big fan of 300, the first comic book movie by Snyder. And I thought, well, it looks fantastic. He's captured the look of a comic book on screen. It's a shame that he has kind of a shallow material that he's not really getting to play with anything. So I was really excited when Watchmen came out. (laughs) And then the first scene in Watchmen happened. 
And I realized that Zack Snyder was just a person who liked the pretty pictures. Because the first scene in the comic is an old man getting the absolute crap beaten out of him in a bloody pulp that sets the tone for the entire universe. And it's just a merciless thrashing and beating of this old guy that we know nothing about at that point. And he gets thrown out of the window. Zack Snyder's is like a 20-minute fight scene where everyone is a kung fu master. And at that point, my heart died. Because I realized for the next two and a half hours, I was not going to be seeing The Watchmen. Right then and there, that should have been the end of his career in the comic book film industry. The Watchmen, I mean, it's just a big trolley problem dressed up in a comic book. And if you're not smart enough to understand the trolley problem, you can't do The Watchmen. That's why <laughs> it's, it's, it's a good-looking film. It doesn't look like The Watchmen. It doesn't act like The Watchmen. It doesn't quack like it, talk like it, anything. So I can't get my support behind it. Guardians of the Galaxy... There is a flaw in that film. It's a very nitpicky flaw. Uh, there's the point where they're uh, right after Nowhere, where the Raiders have uh, captured Star-Lord and uh, Gamora, and Gamora's struggling against the people holding her, and they're very clearly holding her as very lightly as possible so as to not smear the makeup. Uh, it's pretty <laughs> hilarious if you look at it, because she does a little thrust of her like shoulders, and they're like, soft, 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 soft. <laughs> Other than that, it's an it's an amazing film. Uh, Guardians is also very near and dear to my heart because the way I got into actually reading comic books was I was the type of nerd that played like Magic the Gathering on Friday nights at comic book stores. And in between matches, I would ask what good comics are there to read. And the guy pointed me to like the 2008 run of Guardians of the Galaxy, which is still my favorite run. So that one... For nostalgia, for the fact that Zack Snyder is a fucktard that doesn't deserve to direct ever again, at least not a comic book movie, and for the fact that Guardians of the Galaxy is amazing, Guardians of the Galaxy wins. If you wanted to make a uh, Dawn of the Dead sequel, though, I would watch that. Again, I wouldn't trust him with metaphor. He likes the pretty pictures. (laughs) Fair enough. We've got another vote for Guardians of the Galaxy. Mike, what do you think? Uh, So... Let's see where to where to begin. I actually all right. I'll 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 start here because this is where I was going to start. Uh, that kind of when kind of was derailed by what what came before. But when I saw this matchup, my first thought was, "Damn you to hell, Chris," because I thought I I'm actually a, a Watchmen apologist. I enjoyed I enjoyed the movie a lot. I haven't gone back now. The problem is I was not familiar with the source material when I saw it, so it was all new to me. It was all fresh. I thought it was interesting. I haven't gone back and rewatched it since having read the source material. I would probably find a lot more uh, flaws in it, but I was, I th- thought it was very intriguing and fascinating when I watched it. I, and I, I just really, I really enjoyed it. it was certainly not without its flaws. Uh, but I remember watching out of it and I walked out of it and I, it was one of those movies that kept me thinking. I, I found a lot of it interesting. Um, but there's always a 12-5 seed, and so I was like, okay, Watchmen's a 12 seed. Maybe it'll be the 12 the 12 seed that upsets a 5 seed. Guardians of the Galaxy is a 5 seed? What the actual hell? As Chris said, this is maybe the best of the MCU movies. This is a fantastic movie. This is the movie that they said, we're making a Guardians of the Galaxy movie, and everyone went, well, that's the end of Marvel. What the heck are they thinking? That's insane. They were they had a really good run, but there ain't no way. 
Guardians of the Galaxy, the fact that it actually somehow managed to be good may very well be the reason that I'm married and have two kids because I took Nikki to that movie fairly early on in our relationship. And I didn't know what the heck it was about. I was just jazzed by the trailers. I thought it looked cool. But I'm sitting here taking this girl that I've only been dating not that long to a movie with a talking raccoon and a, sen- raccoon and a sentient tree. And it managed to be amazing. <laughs> and that was a huge risk on my part. No, this is, I mean, I, I, like I said, I, I did I did like Watchmen. I, I, I know that there's a lot of mixed feelings on it. it. It has some flaws. It actually, it does have some really good, good moments. A lot of people talk about the intro. Uh which is which is well done. It's a good introduction to the overall universe and everything like that. But this is this is Guardians, hands down, Guardians. All right, putting the final stake in Watchmen. But let's hear what Jen has to say. So, I am also one of those where I did not read the comic before I watched the movie, um, which is odd for me because I'm usually all about the comic first or the book first, depending on. Um, but I, for what it was, I loved the Watchmen movie and not knowing the original story and all of that. I loved it. I actually made a Silk Spectre costume and wore it to conventions, the original version. And, you know, I, I absolutely love it. I mean, there are some triggers, obviously, for people who have triggers, but visually it was fun i really really enjoyed it and rorschach i'm pretty much in love with him and after reading the comic i'm still pretty much in love with him and would marry him in a heartbeat but (laughs) um yeah i know it's twisted don't don't glare at me that way through the camera um (laughs) but i mean it was it was the whole scene in the movie where you know you know Men go to jail, dogs get put down, and I, being a mother, I'm very big on stuff like that when it comes to violence against kids and pedophiles and, you know, yada, 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 you know. So that just cemented him as, like, my favorite ever. But you're putting it up against Guardians of the Galaxy, (laughs) one of the heaviest MCU hitters. So it's like what do you do? Like going into guardians, I had no idea what to expect. Like, cause you know, up until then MCU was, you know, knocking them out of the park. And, uh, you know, again, I was one that heard all those crazy, you know, like, Oh, I don't know how they're going to pull this off. Oh, it's over. Oh, this is going to suck up. Oh, you know? And I, I go into movies typically with little to no expectations. And I laughed so hard. The, I mean, the story itself, the the way the characters are portrayed, the soundtrack. I mean, these are all these are my childhood songs. This is this is my jam. You know what I mean? So, I mean, it's it's Guardians hands down. It, it's hard not to. All right, another vote for Guardians of the Galaxy and Tony. What do you say? So. Uh, I find myself in a peculiar position with uh, the Watchmen. Um, ask me ten years ago how I felt that move about that movie, and it would have been a very different answer than the one I'm about to give you. Because, like Michael, I found myself not having read the source material, um, not really knowing what's going on in, in this movie uh, from a previous knowledge standpoint, uh, and, and very much enjoying it. Um, you know, it, it was just dark enough to kind of captivate my teenage mind um and really pull me in 
And then I read the comic book. And I still enjoyed the movie. But then I watched the movie again. Uh, not too long ago, actually. About eight months ago, maybe. I was on a flight. Had two and a half hours to burn. I was like, oh, it's on Amazon. Let me watch it. Uh, I could not get through the first hour of that movie again. Um, it was just so unfortunate trying to remember that movie, how it was. Uh, and don't get me wrong. It, it's still, you know, if you've not read the the comic books, you know, if you like darker, grittier things, maybe go and go ahead and check it out. But when comparing it to Guardians, uh, there's not much to be said that I don't want to to kind of bring up right now, uh, knowing that this is moving forward and we're we're going to have to dissect some of the heavy hitters moving forwards again. As a fifth seed, this makes no sense. I will say, however, Mike, much like yourself, uh, this movie is a movie of love for me. Uh, this is actually the movie where my now wife and I actually first exchanged I love yous. So <laughs> very important movie to me. Are you um, sure she wasn't talking to James Gunn? Yes, <laughs> she still has no idea who he is. She for sure was talking to Chris Pratt. <laughs> that might have been a possibility. Yeah. We do love Chris Pratt in this Star Lord himself. Um, Andy Dwyer, come on. Uh, but Burt Macklin, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny yes. Karate. Mm. We can go on, on for days about Andy. Uh, but so for me, I don't want to beat beat a dead horse over the head. It's it's Guardians. Obviously, it's Guardians. Guardians is moving on. No surprise there. Our third sweep of the night. We are on a roll. Some really varying opinions here tonight. However, let's see in this next matchup. Up next, we've got the number four, Logan, versus the number 13, The Mask. Up first, we've got Steven. I'm just going to grab the popcorn and listen. I actually don't have that much to say about this one. Um, the Mask is one of those sort of adaptation and name only. If you're ever familiar with The Mask comic, it's another very gory, very dark comic. In fact, the Stanley Ipkiss character, I think, is dead in issue three or something like that. So The Mask movie starring Jim Carrey has almost nothing to do with it. As a comedy, it's got... It's trying to evoke so much throwback humor from like the 1950s Tex Avery cartoons and things like that. And this is a problem for me. Um, We don't make those Tex Avery cartoons anymore because they're not funny anymore. The way we do comedy has moved on. It had moved on by the time The Mask came out. And I think that's why it didn't do well in theaters. Uh, I don't think it's that good going back. I've rewatched it for this just in case. And no, I was right. It, it doesn't really hold up. Uh, the humor is very dated. It's not that funny. And the reason you hire Jim Carrey is because he has the most animated face, at least at that time, the most animated face you can look at for comedy. And then you covered it up with latex and CGI effects. You weren't even using what you had. You know, anybody could have been the guy behind the cartoon mask. So I, I don't really get that. Meanwhile, Logan. I don't know if I've expressed how I feel about the X-Men franchise any time during this recording. Logan, I don't even consider part of the X-Men franchise. It is its own entity unto itself. It exists in a world by itself. And that world is one where there is so much heart and so much just 
angst and just well-thought-out emotional triumphs. It works both as a film and of itself. It works as a commentary on where we are right now with the comic book movies, that the idea that even though we've heard these stories so many times now, they still have value in and of themselves, that there's still something aspirational about the superhero that keeps us coming back over and over again, and that we can impart these values to the next generation. I love Logan. I love the fact that it made my girlfriend cry so hard in theaters that she got upset with me after we left and told me I couldn't take her to any more sad movies. Uh, no, that Logan is a brilliant film. The mask is, it's a meth film at best. It, it, it holds no special place in my heart. So Logan wins. All right. We've got to vote for Logan. Mike, see what you have to say. Well, I was very, very tempted to move on, move the mask onward. Uh, and I say that as somebody who loved Logan, but I say that as somebody who saw the mask at age 13 with Jim Carrey coming fresh off Ace Ventura and Cameron Diaz being a brand new person that I had never seen before, but I wanted to see a lot more of after that movie. Uh, but I know in my heart that if I went back and watched The Mask, it would, as Stephen said, not hold up. I'm sure it has some fun moments. It was, you know, it was it was Jim Carrey right at the height of his uh, mid '90s power. Um, Stephen said it didn't do very well. I remember it. I I don't know what its box office was, but I know it was certainly popular among at least the demographic that I was a part of at the time. It's, but it's no Logan. Logan was, you know. Uh, Logan was such a masterpiece. I don't think anybody expected to really see that sort of a movie about the Wolverine character based on what had come before. I mean, and as a send off for, for Hugh Jackman and really also for Patrick Stewart, who had played, you know, professor X for nearly two centuries at that two centuries. <laughs> He's not that old, not I, like I said, half a bottle of wine before it's even started uh, two decades at that point. Uh, it, it was, it was a, it was a moving send off, for, for those characters and in in a, in a context that was just in a in a, a concept excuse me that was just so moving it was it, it was just a fantastic film and it did expand the boundaries I think of what a comic book movie could be and I mean we have other comic book movies that 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 tap into this a little bit but I mean when I say like a comic movie like a comic movie about a but like a, a Marvel superhero comic book type of character. And it expanded the, the boundaries of what you could kind of do with that. So I got, I, I got to give it to Logan. All right. We've got a second vote for Logan. Jen, what are your thoughts here? I mean, I don't know that I can say much more than you guys have already said. Thanks for, you know, putting it all out there. Now, um, the mask. I mean, I saw it, you know, when I was a, a youngster as well. Um, it was hilarious. You know, Jim Carrey. I mean, I loved Ace Ventura. I love, you know, I love his comedy. I still do. And you know, the the moment you know, you said, uh, you know, you put you know a latex latex mask on his face, and my first thought was the Grinch. Like, <laughs> it, it his comedy still comes through regardless of what you stick on his face. You know, and I just, I loved it. I, I never read the comics, so I can't really speak to how they translate together. It, it honestly doesn't sound like they translate at all. Um, but 
I loved the movie as it was. I actually watched it a few months ago, I want to say, just because it was on. And I was like, oh, heck yeah, I'm going to watch it. You know, I love The Mask. Um, I mean, the sequel, not so much. But the first one was great. Logan, on the other hand, I mean, that was a Logan that we never thought we would really get to see on the screen. And it was so different from all of the previous Wolverines or Wolverine movies that we had seen thus far that, I mean, it just kind of, it kind of caught me off guard and I wasn't expecting it to be like that, um, walking into it, but everything that you guys have said, I mean, it's the same. It had heart. It had, you know, it, it made you feel for Logan even more so than you did in previous movies. Um, yeah, I don't. I just not much you can say. It's just it's Logan. Logan's the winner. All right, we got another vote for Logan, Tony. So I'm not going to say too much about Logan. Um, I think we all know that it's moving on. Clearly, it is. Um, I will say that you know, on on top of everything that has been said so far. I don't think I had ever cried at a comic book movie until that ending scene, you know, until that final act with, with Hugh Jackman, that character could not and should not have received as amazing of a send off as he did. Um, Hugh Jackman, probably the, the biggest bright star in all of the Fox um, movies uh, obviously, that's why there were five of the six originals that included him in a major facet. Uh, Logan was just the the epitaph to a wonderful run for for the character, who probably, besides Spider Man, was was my number one hero growing up. Um, I, I found Wolverine, you know, Canadian Canadian boy. Um, I grew up in upstate new york literally an hour away from the border most people would say we are more canadian than most canadians are so kind of growing up in that area you latch on to certain things about wolverine and and damn it fox you did it right so i I like thinking that that was not a part of the the x-men franchise that was just an honest send-off for a wonderful actor and wonderful character. The Mask, um, yeah, it's hilarious. Uh, it's got the, the Acme-style, Wiley Coyote sort of humor to it. Um, everything from the 1960s and 70s cartoons, you know, Looney Tune feel to it, while also using Jim Carrey to deliver, you know, hilarious jokes. Um, I do understand that it is an odd choice of an actor uh, because he is very expressive. And I think he even has a more ability in the Grinch to be expressive because his eyes is really where it's at. And that's, that's not inhibited in the Grinch, unlike the mask where it is all CGI. Um, it just doesn't hold up to today's standards and to what we expect from comedy movies, especially in, in the comedic and comic films that we see. Um, so no, no contest here. Logan definitely moves on. 
All right. A fourth vote for Logan. Chris, let's hear those thoughts. Oh, boy. And do I have some thoughts about how wonderful this Victory Drava Latte Cold Brew Milk Stout is. This is phenomenal. It's a one pint can. It's a limited edition release. If you can find it, grab it. It's really good. Um, yeah, Mike. Oh it's, my god, it's that sounds good. amazing. It's good. Um, it's legitimately good, and I have more good things to say about this than I do the movie The Mask. <laughs> um, I thought I thought I loved the movie The Mask. I did, and as I've gotten older and I've gone back and watched it, I realized what I really loved was how good Jim Carrey was when he was younger. And how I wish we could get that version of Jim Carrey back. Now I haven't. I've seen his new stuff. It's not hasn't been anywhere near the same. And I can't fault him. I mean, the guy's making a living, and you know he, he's matured and as he gets older, and that's great. But Jim Carrey in the '90s was a tour de force, unlike anything I've ever seen. This out of Ken Griffey Jr. Like just dominant in the way he made movies. Um, yeah, he might have had the sweetest swing in all of Hollywood. But that movie's not good. It's not. We're going to have a lot more to say about Logan next round because I'm not sure if you guys have done the math. But next round pits Logan against Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be a killer for me. But for right now, it's Logan. And get, if you can get this beer, get it. It's really damn good. Yes, fortunately, we are not at that point yet. But... We now have our fourth sweep in a row. You guys really like uh, the same movies. All right, Logan's moving on. Up next, we've got our sixth seed, the 1990 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles versus the 11th seed, Tank Girl. Up first, I believe we have Mike. Uh, so I have, a, I have a weird feeling this one's probably not going to be a sweep. Um even though I am picking the uh, the favorite in this one, uh, I'll be completely honest. I've not seen Tank Girl, but I love the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and I also have the uh, fortune of having watched it about three years ago, uh, three four years ago, with um, with a buddy of mine and his teenage son, teenage son, and. I honestly thought it still held up. It was fun. It had just that little bit of little bit of grittiness to it. And it 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 slows a little bit uh, in the second act, but it's not it's not egregious. And uh, I just I loved the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It was uh, gloriously lacking in any random vanilla ice appearances toward the end, uh, <laughs> unlike its sequel. Uh, it's just it, I thought it was a really good movie, um, and and it was a, it was coming on the heels of the TV show in hindsight, when I look at it more and more, I'm like, wow, this was really dark because I didn't know the comic. I only knew the TV show. I was eight. Uh, and it was really dark compared to the comic, but it, but it worked. I mean, and, and, but there were so many, supposedly there were so many complaints about the violence in the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie that the characters in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, I have not gone back to re- to confirm this, but supposedly no, they never actually used their weapons to hit anybody in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 because, like, they had their weapons, but they just weren't allowed to use them because so many parents complained about the violence. Um, but t- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, it's a, it's a hard PG. I mean, we forget the PG-13 rating was not that old in the late 80s. Um, 
Beetlejuice came around right around the same time. That was a PG movie and it had the word fuck in it. Uh, so it's a, it's a, it's a hard PG. It's, but it's a good movie. I, I, I really liked it. I still think it holds up. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 for me. Or not 2. Not The Secret of the Use. Oh, God. I can't believe I said that. As no. that wine again. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Heroes in the Half Shell. Turtle Power. All right. We've got one vote for TMNT. Jen, what are your thoughts here? All right. So growing up, I was all about TMNT. I mean, like, there were four kids growing up in my household, and so we all picked a turtle, Now it's Raphael, and that held true because I'm still a sarcastic asshole. So, you know, I even later on helped refinish some of the, the costume pieces. You know, I, I, I made new elbow pads and knee pads for some of the stuff that was, was up on display, but the movie obviously wouldn't hold up now as much as it did back then because of the, just the style of the costumes and the way the lips moved. And, you know, not a lot of people now, the kids nowadays would be like, what the heck is this crap? Right. I loved it. I mean, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was fun. It was, you know, it was better than the cartoons to me because it turns out I like things that are a little bit darker and grittier. Oh, <clears throat> Um, but I have seen Tank Girl and I have dressed up as Jet and gone to Dragon Con, you know, and I have, you know, met Lori Petty and worked with her and, you know, all this stuff. And I really, really, really love Tank Girl. I mean, it was, you know, when it came out, it was different. It was just like in your face. It wasn't, I don't know. I, I, it's not even easy to describe the way I kind of feel towards it, like cinematography wise. And, you know, the birds do it, the bees do it. That whole scene was just hilarious to me. So I'm going to have to go with Tank Girl on this one. And we finally have our first split vote of the night. One for TMNT and one for Tank Girl. Chris, what are your thoughts? I was really hoping I'd get to go last on this one. Um, because I, Mainly because I haven't made up my mind yet. Um, I grew up on Ninja Turtles, man. Like I didn't read the comic books, but I th- that cartoon was like my everything. It was He-Man and Thundercats for a while, but once Ninja Turtles came out, I had every, I had every toy, I had all the trading cards. Like Ninja Turtles was my jam, and that movie was like the peak of my jam. But Tank Girl is so weird; it's so unique. And get mad at me if you want. The best, even though it's not the character. That is the best version of Harley Quinn you're going to see in a movie. Tank Girl is Harley, modern-day Harley Quinn in every facet. She's so spontaneous. She's so sarcastic. She's freaking funny, and she's a badass. Let this sink in. This is a movie that features Malcolm McDowell, Ice-T, Naomi Watts, and Lori Petty's the headliner, first off. Tank Girl is a damn good movie. I really, I, I just, I just went back and watched it again a couple nights ago. 
it's really enjoyable and it's all about it's literally all about a environment where water is you know hard to come by and Malcolm McDowell has a water company that's what the movie's about he's trying to get a monopoly on water and he's killing the competition and he kills the wrong person's boyfriend and she goes on a rampage oh my god don't make me make this choice well I have the pleasure of making you I know um Damn it. If we're going off of just performance, Lori Petty and Tank Girl is the best performance of the two. Ninja Turtles has meant more to me for a longer period of time, and that movie has been, has been a bigger part of my life, so... Oh, God, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. Damn it. Ninja Turtles... And that hurts. It hurts. Locked in with Ninja Turtles. Go watch Tank Girl. Tank Girl is legitimately great. It's such a fun movie, but I'm going to mute myself now so I can cry. All right. Well, I'll be hearing Chris cry later when he inevitably forgets to put on the mute button. Steven, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, this is a tough one uh, because I actually really enjoy both of these films still. Um they're both weird films. Uh, Ninja Turtles is almost better to think of as like a writing experiment. Like if somebody told you to write the script for a Turtles movie in the time that that came out, you're not going to be able to write a better one. I mean, yeah, the Foot Clan's plot seems to be get teenagers to steal VCRs and profit. Um, <laughs> so th- there's an issue there, but you're somewhat limited by what you can do. Uh, so yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's fine. I loved it as a kid. It works now. Um, it was a little slow for me as a kid when they get to that, the farmhouse, but, uh, works now. I like that as much as the farmhouse in age of Ultron. And that's the best part of age of Ultron. So farmhouses go, but more farmhouses in my comic movies. Um, but tank girl, uh, we mentioned that ice T was in it. We failed to mention that ice T is a kangaroo person in it. <laughs> I feel like that more encapsulates, yes, what, yes, encapsulates yes, yes. what's going on in that movie. Um, <laughs> it is absurdist in the best possible way. I, I don't think it's a good movie, but it's <laughs> a great movie despite not being a good movie. That's Tank Girl in a nutshell. Uh, it is better than the sum of its parts. It's it's like uh, that's the best way to put it. Ninja Turtles is near and dear to my heart. Ninja Turtles is probably a better script. It's probably better technically speaking. Uh, it probably makes more sense. But Tank Girl is the one I enjoy more. I'm going to go with Tank Girl. Well then, we have for our first time tonight a deciding vote. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Tank Girl 2. Mike, it's on you. Well, I, I started, so I'll vote for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles again, but I think you skipped Tony. <laughs> I skipped Tony. You did. So that's good to know. And I don't like the fact that I'm the deciding vote because this is a very one-sided thing for me. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like I, I'm, I'm slightly shafting Tank Girl here. Um, and, and I'll, and I'll preface, preface this by saying, Jen, and I'm sorry, I, I see your reactions. That could be fun, I, by the way. What's I don't that? Think that could be fun. Yes, it could be. <laughs> Lori Petty's attractive. 
Don't, Jennifer, I see that face. <laughs> However, I saw Tank Girl around the same time I started watching, uh, now I'm blanking on the name, Mad Max. And for me, post-apocalyptic wasteland movies, I, I know they're very they're different. Not the I latched on to Mad Max, and I never gave Tank Girl a second thought. TMNT, however, I have to say that the 1990 film was by far the absolute best film we've ever gotten from a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It, the, the turtles actually looked like the comic book and the, 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 the cartoon show Turtles, and not some actually weird reptilian creature thing. Um, so unfortunately for me, this is TMNT. Uh, because I just have a little bit more history with it, or a lot more history with it, rather than the one watch I gave Tank Girl back in 2000. Very good. So we do have a winner, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Can I change Moving my on. vote? But I do want to say real quick, you guys, between Naomi Watts and Ice-T as a kangaroo person, I'm going to be fucking watching Tank Girl at some point in the... Not too distant. It, it is the perfect movie to literally just bring a six pack to and watch because it is such a funny movie. And the more you drink, the better it gets. It's it's really good. And, and I kind of regret my choice. I do. I will say this. I kind of regret my choice now because I didn't think there was any chance in hell. Um, it would be a close one. So, all right, moving. All righty then. Well, it's moving on, and we are moving on as well. We are gonna go. To our next matchup here with the 1989 version of Batman at the three seed versus the number 14 seed Weird Science. And up first, I don't even know where we are. We should be back at Jen. Because you love torturing me. I'm pulling up. So, it's actually only when I call on you that I want to torture you. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 fair. So, 1989 Batman. Keaton is my Batman. I love this movie. Jack Nicholson is the Joker. Um, you know, he you know, became pretty much the iconic Joker. Heath Ledger is my Joker now, but he's still like you know. First thing you think of is the Jack Nicholson Joker. You know, it's the movie has a lot of great parts. It's, you know, it's a great movie. A lot of people haven't seen Weird Science. Um, weird Science is just so weird. I love Weird Science. Um, I mean, these two high school kids figure out a way to like I don't even remember specific parts of the movie or how things happen certain ways, but they figure out some kind of way to create a woman. And like <laughs> this just hot chick pops up and I'm just like I have like little bits and pieces of it, you know, in my memory versus where I as much as I love Batman and he's my favorite, like I'm getting Batman tattooed on my left side. Um, weird science actually gives me more memories 
if that makes sense. Like Batman will always be Batman. Keaton will always be my Batman. But Weird Science is just so different in comparison to it that Weird Science stands out more for me. And that's really weird for me to say, <laughs> considering it's Batman, you know, and then that's this, I prefer 1989 Batman over Batman Returns. Like, out of the two, I would totally pick the original. But I, don't, I have to go with Weird Science because it just has so much craziness thrown in there that it just, it sticks out in my memory way more than even Batman would. And that's really, really weird to say. All right. We've got a vote for Weird Science. Tony, what do you got? Weird Science is every teenage boy's wet dream. Uh, let's be honest here. I, I mean, that, that movie is, is aimed at a young teenage boy wanting to be with the hot model. And, and that's all that movie is. Um. You know, as as far that movie being and as obscene and obscure as that movie is, it's fucking Keaton and Nicholson. I mean, come on, it's so hard to beat. Nicholson defined what Joker is meant to be. I and Heath Ledger did a wonderful job, but my my Joker is Hamill. You know, we'll we'll get into that a little bit later. But my Joker is Hamill and. He based so much of his Joker around what Nicholson was able to do with that character that you have to get homage. You have to give homage to to the man who created the Joker as we know it today. Um, and, and everything they did with that movie was everything Batman needed in in that time period. Nineteen eighty nine. I remember. Well, I don't remember personally, but I know that Batman was going through a stagnation in the comic world. Um, I, it. it, it breathed fresh air into the Batman series. We started getting incredible um, Batman arcs back in the comic books. So the 1989 version of Batman, I, I, in my humble opinion, saved Batman um, from, from going down a, a very different route. And, and that little bit of darkness mixed in with the, the, the gimmicky Silver Age styled Joker was just a, really a, a wonderful kind of mesh that I I don't think we've ever seen since. Um, with Nicholson portraying the absolute madness that is Joker and Keaton being able to really tap into the darkness of the Bat, I, I have to move forward with the Batman. All right. We've got a vote for Batman. Chris, let's hear your uh, limited thoughts. Um. Far be it for me to give a hot take here. And I'm going to piss some people off when I say this. Um, not a huge John Hughes fan. I recognize the importance of John Hughes to pop culture. I recognize the important John Hughes, the importance of John Hughes to filmmaking as a whole and universe building. I get it. Really, aside from Breakfast Club... I'm just not a huge John Hughes fan, and Weird Science is no exception to me. It's it's fine. But Batman not only rescued, you know, the Batman comic books and probably all of DC at that point in time, Batman was the definition of what a comic book movie is or should be up until Spider-Man in 2002. 
mean that it was it was the gold standard for a long time. And say what you want, it still holds up today. I maintain Tim Burton has always been more interested in making movies about the villains than he ever was about making movies about a hero. Which is why he spent so much time on Joker. He spent so much time on Penguin and Catwoman. Keaton as Batman? You want to get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts. That part aside, I love that movie. And it's always going to have a special place in my heart. Batman, 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 Batman. All righty, Batman takes a slight edge, two to one over Weird Science. Steven, let's hear what your thoughts are. For shame, anyone who picks Weird Science over Batman 89. For shame. How <laughs> dare you? I am insulted. I am... Uh, it's, I need a bucket near me for what I've just heard. Batman 89 is one of the most important films for pop genre films to ever come out. It is a landmark in cinema. It is a landmark in the way people think about comic book movies. It is a landmark about how much money you can throw at an A-list actor to get them to make your comic book movie wonderful. He gets a back end on anyone that uses his version of the Joker. He's made millions off of it. (laughs) That's how you do it. Now, true, it's got some Tim Burton issues. That was like, what, his third, fourth film? So we're already seeing all of his tricks. And he never learned any new tricks after that point, let's be honest. And that's why we don't like Tim Burton today. We've seen all the way it makes. But really, weird science. You're going to step to me with weird science. A middle-of-the-pack film. A middle-of-the-pack John Hughes film. I mean, come we're not talking Home Alone quality. We're talking weird science. Let's be honest about ourselves. It's cute. It's fine for what it is. We all watched it once, had two laughs, moved on with our lives, and then we went back to watching Batman 89 because it's Batman 89. It's the one that stayed with us. It's the one we love. It's the reason why five of us, at least, are on this call right now. (laughs) Batman 89. All right. Well, that gives Batman 89 three votes. Uh, Sorry, Mike. What are your thoughts? Well, I'm voting for weird science. For shame! <laughs> no, 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 no. I, even though it doesn't matter, I can't say that in jest. I mean, it is. It's Weird science is one of the weakest John Hughes films, let alone, like, and I mean, you know, Chris, Chris, Chris maybe neglects the other John Hughes films because, I, well, we're not, we're not going to get into that. I don't have good taste, for starters. Well, this is fair. Yeah. Um, I am going to have ample opportunity to tell many of my Batman 89 stories. Uh, They they might be well placed in the next round. Um, But for now, I'm just going to leave it as the fact that Batman 89, in my opinion, is clearly the better film. Uh, I did see Weird Science once. I think I laughed a third time, uh, Stephen. It might have even been a fourth one. Uh, I was really too busy, again, you know, being an adolescent boy looking at uh, uh, Kelly LeBrock, I think was her name, uh, and enjoy and indulging in that fantasy. It was it was fun, but uh, you know, it never didn't really inspire repeat viewings. This is Batman '89. All right, Batman takes a solid lead, four to one over Weird Science, and it is moving on to the next round. Up next, 
We've got a seven versus a ten. Our seven seed is Spider-Man Two versus the ten seed of Kick-Ass. Up first, we've got Tony. So this is honestly probably the most mismatched seven ten seed. Uh, Kick-Ass is a good movie. It, it's a it's a fun laugh when you haven't seen that many comic book movies. I would say. Um, it kind of takes the whole entire idea of comic book movies and it kind of flips them on their head with it being set in a, a very staunch and very normal world. Um, and I think that's the point. I mean, that is the point of the film uh, and, and the comics. But Spider-Man 2, before Tom Holland, what was the gold standard for Spider-Man films? Uh, you, you, you cannot get better than, and I, I am blanking on his name, but the, the actor for Doc Ock, Alfred Molina. Thank you. He he is the perfect comic book character off to come off the page. Uh, so many things done right about that that character that even with it, it definitely does drag at parts in the film. Even with that, there are, are so many things that that they get right with the relationship between Peter Parker and Doc Ock. In his descent into madness, like he is honestly at his core a very great guy, and it, just everything that hits him. I, I think we talked about it on the last episode, to where you just have that one bad day, and and this is a Joker monta- uh, mantra, one bad day, and and that really defines you. And unfortunately, he takes the wrong turn, and I, I think this movie does a really great job at encapsulating that. And it doesn't fall prey to Sam Raimi's um, issue in the next film to where he's just throwing too much at us. You get the centralized main story and and the Octavius line, and it works so well. And I I feel like had it not been for Sam Raimi's second film, we honestly wouldn't have gotten a lot of the comic book films that we have today. And just because of that, I, I, I think that it it deserves a spot in the second round. Um, Kick-Ass just falls flat for me when it comes to that. It doesn't have the impact. Uh, it doesn't really have the presence that Spider-Man 2 did. So I'm, I'm moving forward with Spider-Man 2. All right, we've got a vote for Spider-Man 2. Chris, let's hear your vote. Well, I mentioned we'd be hearing the name Matthew Vaughn again tonight. And here it is. I will also mention we're going to hear that name again later, too, Um, because Matthew Vaughn makes some of the best comic book movies there are. He's insanely talented, a great director. I don't think. And I'm trying to put I'm trying to put this in context with like Kevin Smith, but I can honestly say I don't think there's a director that's meant more to me from the movies I've seen than Sam Raimi. Um. I, I love the guy. I do. I'll go one step further, Tony. Um, I will say I think this is a tentpole comic book movie. I know. Some people don't like Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. I do think a lot of that is really rear-facing. A lot of that is people coming off of watching the MCU and going back and watching the Spider-Man movies and saying, oh, no, he looks 30. Uh, yeah, I get that. That's fine. At the time, that's what we had. And I will challenge you and tell me, is there 
very there are very few more emotional scenes and more uplifting scenes than the subway scene in Spider-Man 2 where he is sorry Siri got me there where he is doing everything he can to save those people on the train and willing to sacrifice everything he has and seeing the people of New York lift his body and you hear someone in the background saying he's just a kid like, come on, I'm getting goosebumps now just thinking about that. That scene's insane. And Doc Ock, you want to know how powerful that the arc that Doc Ock had in that movie was? This is how powerful that was. They copied the same arc for the Spider-Man video game. And Spider-Man 2 still did it better. It did. It is not the crowning achievement of Sam Raimi's career, but it's close. It's really close. Sam Raimi, Evil Dead movies are iconic. For Love of the Game is phenomenal. Um, what was the the other comic book movie he did? Or the it was a comic strip movie. Was it Phantom? The Phantom? Steven, is that what it is? Yeah. With Billy Zane? Yeah, Billy Zane. Uh, and now He's we're going to get... Billy Zane. He's a cool dude. <laughs> now we're going to get him directing Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. I don't care. Spider-Man 2 is the movie that made me re-fall in love with movies when I was in college. Because that performance by Tobey Maguire, the build-up and the script, the way he was shot, it was majestic. I really do think you've got that single movie. Spider-Man 1's great. Spider-Man 2 is the crowning achievement of that trilogy. Obviously, it's not Spider-Man 3. Um... That's one of the reasons we have the MCU, though. That really did feel like an MCU movie before the MCU even came out because it had so much heart. It tore at your heartstrings. It's, it... I don't even remember what it's up against. It's Spider-Man 2, <laughs> man. Yeah, I didn't want to go too much oh, it's into this because it's, it's going to move on. It's good. I know. Yes. I know. I am so passionate too, about this movie. It's not funny. And mind you, Kick-Ass gave us maybe Nick, one of Nick Cage's better performances. <laughs> It did, and I love Matthew Vaughn. This is a tough draw for anyone. I, Spider-Man Two is one of my favorite movies. I'm really, I'm sorry, I'm really passionate about this movie, so I'm going to shut up now. No shit. I'll Screw right. you. We finally, got some silence from Chris. Steven, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, so I hate Kick-Ass. Uh, it's got a major <laughs> problem in that the uh, person that wrote the third act to Kick-Ass didn't watch the first act to Kick-Ass. Because if we start in the first act where we're going to be in the super serious world where it's superheroes, but they're not super. They're just regular people, and they get the crap beat out of them and everything. And in the third act, they're riding jetpacks and throwing knives through walls or whatever the hell they're doing. I don't care. I don't want to watch it again. So even if it was a bad Spider-Man movie, it's still going to be better than Kick-Ass because Kick-Ass violates its own premise. And if you can't follow the rules of your own universe, you're not going to make it anywhere. I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. Spider-Man's pretty good, though. I'll talk about it more later. All right. Uh, Mike. Uh, exactly. Uh, Kick-Ass, first hour, tons of fun, completely falls apart in the last half. It just does. Uh, Spider-Man 2, uh, it's not without its flaws. Uh, it does feature a song uh, sung by the lead singer of Nickelback. That's, that's um, the only flaw it has. Come on. 
uh, and also a dashboard confessional song. Uh, hey, is, don't touch dashboard. No, 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 no. I'm messing around. No, uh, yeah, Spider Spider Man Two. Clearly, moving on. Uh, also, real quick, we should point out that Chris is aware that it was an elevated train and not a subway car. You don't want to emails. <laughs> That's true. Sorry. It, it, <laughs> His passion overcame his. Uh, I will say, as somebody from New York, that elevated monorail doesn't make much sense. Was this Chicago? None or whatsoever. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. It worked to me. Anyway, it was great. Jen, what are your thoughts here? Not that it matters again, but um, yeah, Kickass was fun. You know, I, I do love Nick Cage unpopular opinion but i do love nick cage i mean except for ghost rider because that can go <laughs> stuff it up i don't yeah um but yeah i mean when spider the the original spider-man trilogy came out with toby Maguire, i was dating somebody who i mean in love with spider-man i mean he has spider-man on one calf he has venom on the other calf you know i mean and you I still have trinkets, little Spider-Man trinkets somewhere from when we went and saw it on opening night. It's like like a little heart with the spider whatever. But I still have it somewhere. My daughter found it the other day. And you know, when the Spider-Man 2 came out, it was like well, it, it, actually I think Spider-Man 2 is better than Spider-Man 1. Spider-Man 3 can go suck a duck too. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's just so great on so many levels, and I have a lot of fond memories of it. So, And I'm going to go with Spider-Man 2 for all the reasons you guys have already expounded on. Perfect. Spider-Man 2 is moving on. On to our final matchup of this bracket here. We have the number two seeded Superman versus the number 15 30 Days of Night. Up first, we got Chris. Wish <laughs> us luck. Um, I love Superman 2. I went back and watched it. I do. And Superman 1 is an extension of Superman 2 with an hour and a half introduction. There's an hour and a half of setup to an ending of a movie that for the first half hour has nothing to do with the end of the film. 30 Days of Night, while might not be a great movie, was entertaining beginning to the end. It was a bloody, gory, fun time. I'm going 30 Days of Night. Up next, we've got Steven. Yeah, so uh, I actually do think these are kind of both enjoyable films, but not great films. Uh, I'm not going to ride or die for either one of them. 30 Days of Night, I guess I was a little more impressed with when I watched it because I didn't know what to really expect. I wasn't familiar with the source material. Uh, it's got a major problem is it did that thing where it just washed out all the color so that everything is kind of a sameness. And I get that they were trying to, you know, it's dark all the time, but you know, even in dark nights, there is color. You can, you can do things with that. Heck, you can make your vampire sparkle if you really want to. Um, I wouldn't recommend it, but you could. Uh, Chris is right. Superman two's or Superman has an hour of setup. That's just telling the story we've all heard before. Moses with aliens. Um, that's what it is. Uh, I think the reason 
that Superman one stays with me though is for one very important scene. And it's when Clark and his dad are sitting there in some, I guess they're out on the local family farm. And Clark asks his dad why he can't try out for football. And his dad turns to him and says, son, I don't know why you were sent to us, but I know it wasn't to throw a ball around. And I think that that's just a really good encapsulation of the core problem with super or the core sort of angst of Superman that he has the ability to save everyone, but not everyone at the same time. And the more he sacrifices to help other people, the more he sacrifices himself. And I think that one scene does such a good job of encapsulating. So it sets it up. So later on, you know that when he's on a date with Lois, somebody's getting mugged. He could stop. And film, because it's so light, it doesn't go into that depth. But that's always been the key to me understanding Superman. And since it's going up against another film, I think it's kind of a middling film in 30 Days a Night. I'm going to go ahead and give my vote to Superman this round. All right, we've got a vote for Superman here. Mike, what are your thoughts? You know, Superman is the, uh, it's just, it's kind of the, um, it's not, it's not quite the OG. We're going to get to Batman 66 a little later, but I mean, it's essentially the, uh, it's like the, uh, it's one of the, it's the, you can believe a man can fly and all this kind of stuff. It was the first like serious attempt to bring a comic book live to the screen uh, in, I guess you can call it the modern era. Uh, I don't know if that's quite, but uh, all, all that being said, to me, it's just Superman is iconic. It is a, it is a very flawed movie. It does have a lot of setup, uh, certainly for now a modern day sensibility. It's a character everybody knows. Do we really need all of this? Uh, it has an incredibly atrocious scene that should really just be stricken from the record where Superman is flying around with Lois Lane and you're reading her thoughts and you just like want to vomit because it's so terrible. Oh, that's the scene that should be stricken from the record? Well, I was thinking Cher in my head when he flew around the planet backwards. Fair, 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 fair. fair. It's a a flawed movie. It's iconic enough to me that it deserves to at least move on one round. Uh, I don't know that it's, I don't know that it's going to move past one round. Uh, we'll get to that, but, uh, I think it, I think it at least deserves to move on. Not to mention, uh, my wife would kill me. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, we've got two for Superman, one for 30 days of night. Jen, what are your thoughts here? So, um, yeah, I haven't seen 30 days of night in a really long time. I don't remember a whole lot about it, like, at all. Um, and Superman, I mean, it was iconic for its time. I mean, it, yes, the whole flying around the Earth backwards kind of threw me off, but it's iconic for its time, and it kind of, I don't know, I don't know. It was kind of like the start of the whole era for me anyways, because that was one of the first ones that I had seen for superhero movies, I should say, that I had seen. So I'm going to go with Superman. All right. Putting the nail in the 30 days of night coffin. 
But Tony, what are your thoughts here? So I'm going to have a slightly hot take. Uh, Smallville did it better. Mm. I I have to say it. The whole entire scene that Stephen brought up with uh, um, Clark and John. What is his father's name? I'm blanking on it at the moment. Yeah, Jonathan Ken. John. Okay, yeah, yeah, John. Okay, <laughs> I was right. Um, it fell flat on me. It just wasn't enough for them to not delve into it to really to really drive home that the fact that they're trying to make with that scene. And Smallville did it better. You know, you you see the the consequences of Superman trying to live a normal life. You you see what happens when he doesn't pick up the the cape. Um, with that being said, it it is still such an iconic movie um, that for some reason in my head that it, it is one of the greatest films. And then you go back and watch it and you're like, yeah, where did I get this idea from? Uh, and I think with that staying power alone, uh, Mike, you're right, it does deserve a spot in the next round. And albeit for me to say it, it's getting one regardless. Um, 30 Days a Night, like I said, I grew up in upstate New York, snowiest city in America, Syracuse. Um, I will say that colors wash out in the dead of winter. So it does make a little sense. I know from a cinematic standpoint, it doesn't. But for me, it did encapsulate those dredging dark nights to where everything just looks the same except for the sheen of the white from the snow. Uh, that being said, I always remember for some reason that they're zombies and not vampires. And then every time I've seen that movie, I'm like, oh, yeah, they're not zombies. This isn't a zombie film, because that would make too much sense. Um, that being said, my my vote is, for, even though I've ripped into both of them, would still be Superman. Well, we have finally done it. We have made it through one more quarter of the bracket. All right, that has been another episode of Boozy Bracketology. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Now, if you don't know this already, find us on Instagram at Boozy Bracketology, or if you want to be a part of the show, or you have a suggestion for what our next bracket should be, email us, boozybracketology at gmail.com. As you know, we will put out a new bracket each and every month, and we will finish that bracket in that month, no matter how many episodes it takes. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll see you next time.